Ukrainian leaders are meeting at this moment in Washington. Their first face-to-face -face talks in two years. Israel launches third day of attacks on Gaza. A second day of riots, which have now claimed at least seven lives. A tsunami of instability. The suicide blasts in the Moscow metro system uh, leads our news today. Water and fuel prices have also gone up. Jordan, the Palestinian territory, Sudan, Yemen, the list really goes on. The wars and the terrorism, this is all the birth pain. These are the beginnings of what's coming. Okay, so uh, we're continuing on today uh, in our series, uh, End of Days. And if you were here last week, then you know we kind of began this thing having a conversation about is uh, prophecy dependable? In other words, when, when the Bible speaks about what's going to happen in the future, can I trust that? Which, which is a big deal uh, because uh, if we can't, if this is just the best guesses of men, then who cares? But here's the really cool part. Uh, that we discovered together, uh, if you weren't here, maybe you want to go uh, check it out online, is that the Bible actually holds itself to 100% uh, accuracy, which simply means this, that when you and I read it uh, in the Bible, uh, it's almost like reading tomorrow's headlines today. No hanging chads, uh, no one calling the election and then coming back and saying, oops, uh, no one saying oh, uh, Osama bin Laden was killed seven days ago and then, oh, oh my goodness, it was today. and None of that. When you get to Scripture, it is 100% accurate first time through, which is a big deal because uh, some of us in the room still haven't even figured out God yet. We're still just even trying to figure out what we think about Scripture and what we think about Jesus. And yet as we come to this conversation, you can come with a confidence that says, if the Bible has said it, it always always comes true exactly as it says. Uh, some of us in this room are young Christians, and we haven't had the experience with Scripture yet to say, boy, I, I know that it's dependable. But as you and I begin this conversation, and as we begin to look at stuff that, let's just be honest, it's going to stretch our imagination. It, it, some of it's going to be surprising. You and I get to come to this conversation with a confidence that says, every single time the Bible has said something, it came true with 100% accuracy that what you and I are doing together as we look at the book of Revelation, as we look at what the Bible says, it's like reading tomorrow's headlines today. So today we're just going to kind of unpack and say, okay, so, so if that's true, and if that, what's next? What, what, what still needs to happen before the end of days can come? How many prophecies still need to be filled? How many events still need to occur before the end times can be here? And the answer is simply this. None. None. There, there is nothing left. There, there are no precursors. There's, there's nothing intervening before it. That Literally, the next thing on the calendar are the events of the end of days. And that next thing uh, on the calendar, that next uh, event for us, is a thing called the rapture. Uh, it's this moment in which every Christian in this world is going to be instantaneously caught up and taken out of this world. In, in a moment, the Bible says, in the 
twinkling of an eye, instantly, all who believe, all who've made a personal commitment, a personal decision for Jesus, will be caught up in that moment and taken out of this world. It's the rapture. So grab your Bibles. We're going to take a look at a passage that uh, talks about this moment, talks about this event for us. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now here's the deal. We're going to, you're going to use your Bibles a whole bunch today, so get ready. Uh, we're going to try and help you find uh, some of these passages, but you're, you're going to want to see this for yourselves and that we're not making it up. And the other is, if there was ever a Sunday in which I would encourage you to maybe take notes, I, I guarantee you there's going to come a moment, a friend is going to ask, someone's going to say, hey, what about, you're going to see something on TV and go, wait, 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 I don't think that's accurate. And you're going to want to have these notes. I, I personally have almost all the verses that you and I are going to use today written in the back of my Bible. Okay, and so I just encourage you, write them in the back of your Bible, take a piece of paper, there's paper uh, in all the chairs, I would encourage you to take uh, notes today on the deal. So it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, talking about this moment called the rapture. Now, here's the thing, while, uh, well, let me tell you how to get 1 Thessalonians. Really small book, so if you go to the back of your Bible, work to the left, don't go too fast, and just as you pass the Timothys, you're going to get into the Thessalonians, Okay. Uh, but go fairly slow, pretty small book. It's only uh, five chapters. Now, here's the deal. Uh, this thing we call the rapture, if you do a word search in your Bible, you're not going to find this word, the rapture, uh, in your Bible. It's actually Latin, and it was actually brought about or used by theologians, and all it simply means is this, caught up, the catching away, they were raptured, Okay? But 1 Thessalonians very clearly talks about this catching away moment. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And let me, let me set this up for us for just a second on kind of how this uh, works in the time frame. Okay. All right. Uh, you and I uh, right now are living in a period of time that actually is surprising when you look at Scripture. Here's how that works. For years and years and years, everything that happened in the Bible had everything to do with the nation of Israel. But when Jesus comes, an incredible moment happens. Israel refuses their Messiah. Uh, they hang him on a cross. Jesus actually came saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and if Israel would have listened and if Israel would have responded, human history would be completely different than it is right now. But instead, they rejected their Messiah and crucified him. When they did that, this thing came called the church came about. You and I currently live in what theologians call the church age. It is this incredible thing, and, and here's what you need to know, this was not plan A, this is plan B. Israel was supposed to accept Jesus, but they didn't. And when they didn't, God said, okay, then I will find a people who will accept me, the church. And you and I live in this period of time. But what you need to know is this period of time will come to an end. It will close. And the event that closes it is the taking of the church out of this world. The taking of all of the people who are believers in Jesus out of the world so that God can once again deal with Israel in a period of time that's going to be called the tribulation. This event, 
This moment is the rapture. It's the next thing on the prophetic calendar. It's the moment to come. So here it is. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Here's what it says, starting in verse 13. Brothers, uh, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. Now here's what's going on. In the heart and in the mind of a lot of people in those days, there was this idea that death meant that's it. It's all over. Nothing happens after death. Scripture, trying to help your hearts and minds understand, said, no, 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 no. If you're a follower of Christ, if you're a believer, you need to know that death should not be any scarier than going to sleep at night. It doesn't have a grip on you. Okay? So it refers to those who've fallen asleep. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep, who've already died, or to grieve like the rest of men who do not have hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep, those who've died in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet call of God, you ready? And the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, here's what you need to know. Scripture says when this catching away moment happens, when the rapture happens, the dead in Christ rise first. Now, this is not because they've all been laying in their graves waiting. Matter of fact, Scripture's really, 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 really clear about this. You and I do not soul sleep. Matter of fact, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, which simply means this. Every single person that you and I have ever known who had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, who was a Christian when they died, immediately went to heaven. But here's the deal. Only their spirit went to heaven. Okay? Their body is still in the grave. But here's something that you may or may not have known. Every one of us is promised, okay, that we will eventually be reunited with our body. That we don't spend all of eternity simply being soulish. That you and I actually will have physical bodies. We will be reunited our spirit with our body. Now, some of you are going, oh, no. <laughs> if I had known that, I would have taken better care of this thing. Um, I think I would have maybe dieted a little more, you know, done a little more exercise. You want to hear the cool part? When you and I are reunited with our bodies, Scripture says they are made perfect. No hip replacements. Okay? Matter of fact, someone was applauding yeah, all right. So, matter of fact, you and I end up with a body that's just like, it's perfect, just like Adam and Eve's body was in the garden before the fall. Chances are we're all 25 and looking good. Okay? So, you don't have to worry, okay? It's a perfect body. It's together. But here's the deal. Those who've already died in Christ are simply in heaven in spiritual form. They don't have, so, now the grave's open and they are reunited with their bodies. One theologian said once, uh, they have to rise first, they get a head start on us because they got six feet further to go, okay? So this is their bodies, okay? They're already alive in heaven, but bodies, okay? So let's go back to the passage. Um, let's go to verse 16 again. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that... 
We who are still alive and are left will be, what's the next words? Caught up. That's this rapture thing. That's caught up in an instant. In, in, in matter of fact, the Bible says in another place, in the twinkling of an eye, in this unbelievable, brief, less than a second, caught up. And every single person who's alive at this moment who has faith in Christ is caught up, is taken in the rapture. Now stop and think about what this would be like. Think about thousands and thousands of Christians driving their cars at the moment of the rapture. What does the freeway look like? Matter of fact, in the old days, uh, there, there used to be Christians drive around, they had little bumper stickers on the back of their car that said, in case of rapture, this car will be unmanned. Just want to warn you. You know? Think about, here, wait for this, think about Christian pilots. And what does that look like? You want know, to hear something even weirder? Think about you're sitting across the table having coffee with someone. Well, Fred, you know, I don't know. What do you think? I'll say, <laughs> and, and here's the deal, okay? You're probably not going to need the clothes you got on right now because, I mean, God's going to clothe you in heaven, right? You know, it's because I, I don't think they're wearing buckle or, you know, in heaven. So do your clothes go with you? Or is there like a little pile there on the seat? I mean, would that just be freaky? Here's, here's another thing, too, to consider. What about children, little babies, who have never reached an age of accountability? So in other words, they were never old enough to make a decision for Jesus. Pretty good chance infants will go in the rapture, that they'll be caught up, that God's not going to make them see the tribulation period. So stop it. Just, guys, think about the, just the absolute terror that the catching up, that the rapture will cause in this world. What, what do you think the headlines will read the next day? What, what do you think CNN is going to report? Clothes laying around, planes crashing, cars. I, I'm thinking maybe aliens. You know, it'll be the whole battlefield L.A. thing, Independence Day. Isn't it interesting that in our culture there's such an intrigue about aliens that that, you know, I'm just saying that that possibly becomes the explanation when this happens. And, and how much influence, and just, if you think about how much momentum that would even give the world to say, look, look, we don't know what happened. It's clear that we've been invaded. We better all rally together in case they come back. And you get that during the tribulation, there's the whole forming of the one world government and all of these countries that have never gotten along before suddenly align. Is it possible that this catching away, that this rapture becomes the impetus becomes the fear factor that causes the world to rally into oneness. I don't know. I don't know. But it's an incredible moment. Surely there will also be people who've heard this story, who've heard this conversation, who know exactly what happened and make a decision for Christ. Okay? So here we go. Back to the passage. The dead in Christ will rise first. Verse 17. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the... And here's the next phrase. And guys, you've got to catch this, Okay? In the clouds. Now, here's why that's a big deal, okay? There is confusion, and we're going to talk about this in a moment. There is confusion within the Christian community, and, and what I'm telling you right now, there are some Christians who would say, no, 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 I think it's different than that, and that's okay. That the second coming and this event that we're talking about, the rapture, are somehow the same event. They're not, okay? They're not... This passage says this event 
Jesus comes and meets us in the clouds. He doesn't come to earth in this moment. This is not the second coming. This is the rapture. And here's why we use, okay, so and some of you may want to write this little symbol in, in your Bible or anything. So this is Jesus making the U-turn, okay? He comes down from heaven, meets, think, think clouds, okay? Meets us in the clouds. You and I are caught up to meet him in the clouds. He does not physically come to earth in this moment. Because you ready? This is the catching up. This is not the coming back. Okay? If Jesus were actually to physically come to the earth in this moment, then why are we meeting him in the clouds? We could just go see him at Starbucks. He's not coming to earth in this moment. He is catching Christians up. He is taking them out of the way before the tribulation happens. Back to the passage. Verse 17 again. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Verse 18. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Why? What, what's, what's encouraging about this? The encouragement is, you ready? This happens at the beginning of the tribulation, which means you and I don't go through the tribulation. That, that the worst moment, the worst moment ever in the history of the world, that literally what for seven years amounts to God putting the world over his knee and giving them the worst spanking they ever had, simply to say, wait, 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 wait. Things are coming to an end. There's not much time left. Are you ready? Are you ready to accept me and ask for forgiveness and be done with your rebellion? It's the worst spanking ever. But here's the deal. You and I who are Christians, we don't need to be here for the spanking. We've already made this decision. And here's the answer. And we aren't. We aren't here for the spanking. You and I leave first in the rapture. That's why scripture says, you ready? Encourage each other. Because we don't have to go through all the other stuff. We're gone. Okay? Back to verse 18. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Now, brothers, we're going to go into chapter 5, verse 1. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the very day of the Lord will come. What's the next phrase? Like a thief in the night. Now this is huge, guys, and you need to catch this, this, this phrasing. It says, this moment, this catching away of Christians, the taking of the church out of this world, is going to happen like a thief. It, it's going to be like coming down the stairs in the morning to realize that somebody's come into your house and taken everything. And you never saw, you never heard, you never knew. You're just surprised by the moment. It's like a thief who comes in the night that you don't even realize what happened till it's over. This is huge because it's completely different from what's going to happen in the second coming. Okay, so here's the deal. I've already told you there are good, good Christians who would disagree with what I just told you, who would say, no, 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 no. Lynn, Jesus, you ready for this? Jesus does not come back, the rapture, 
The rapture does not happen at the beginning of the tribulation. Instead, and this view is called post-tribulation, what they would say is... Boy, that's a small eraser. There we go. Okay, so what they would say is, we simply kind of slip into the tribulation period. No one knows. It's just all of a sudden going to show up, and all of a sudden one day we're going to go, there's Antichrist and the mark of the beast, and there's everything, you know, and we just slip in. And that what happens is that the rapture and the second coming are actually the same thing, and they happen at the end of the tribulation. And so what actually happens is, Christians go up, then they do a U-turn in the clouds, and then they come back with Jesus. But what they would argue is, is that Christians go through the tribulation. Now here's what I'm telling you guys. You hope they are wrong, okay? Matter of fact, here's, 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 what, I, here's what I've said. When, when, when Jesus comes back in the rapture before the tribulation, I'm going to grab two post-tribulational people. One in each hand. And about halfway up in the rapture, I'm going to look them in the eyes and say, okay, you coming with me or you going back? Okay? You don't want to be here during the tribulation. You just don't. And a matter of fact, guys, I'm just going to say it's pretty hard to encourage one another if we're going to be here. Let, let me give you real, real quick, okay, because you're going to have friends. You may even be a person in the room who says, no, 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 I think, I think they're the same thing and they happen at the end. Let me give you a couple quick reasons I think Scripture is absolutely clear and you and I as believers have no reason to fear going through the tribulation that this happens ahead of time for us. Okay, so let me give you three, three arguments for you real, real quick. Here we go. Grab your Bibles. If there's a place in this talk that you want to take notes, this is the part you want to take notes in. Grab your Bibles. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians. You probably are already there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Again, if you're not sure, go to the back of your Bible. Work to the left real slowly. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Now, here's the, first, here's the first thing for you to consider. When you look at the Bible and it talks about this topic... I believe the Bible is unequivocally clear to say to you and me, you will not be there. Okay? Here's one of those passages. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. Here's what it says. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who, what's the next word? Rescues us from the coming wrath. Right, guys, guys, I don't know about you, but I, I think that's pretty clear. Go with me to Revelation chapter 3. Last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. Clear passages that I think just say to Christians, look, don't worry about this. You're not going to be here. The rapture happens next. Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. Here's what it says. Since you have kept my command, this is Jesus talking. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. Now, guys, that's just a couple of, a bunch of passages that say the same thing. And I, I'm just going to suggest you and I could stop right there. You and I could just say, look, I mean, the Scripture just says 
I'm not here, Christians are not here for that time of trial, for that time of persecution. We're not here. The, the rapture clearly takes place before the tribulation starts. But let me, let me give you two more, just in case. Grab your Bibles, go with me over to 1 Thessalonians again. And here's what you and I are going to find. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. When the Bible describes, you ready? When the Bible describes the rapture, and when the Bible describes the second coming, that moment when Jesus comes to the earth, battle of Armageddon, shows up in judgment, says, okay, we're all done. Those descriptions are absolutely different. They cannot possibly be talking about the same moment in history. So remember when the Bible talked about the rapture, it said, it will be like a thief coming in the night. People won't even realize it's happened. It'll take them by surprise. It'll be the next morning they wake up and they go, oh my, what, what was that? Thief in the night. But when the Bible talks about the second coming, when Jesus comes back to the earth, it describes it completely different than that. Here's that description. It's 2 Thessalonians. Actually, I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Yeah, here we go, okay. Oh, whoa, 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 I'm sorry. Okay, I did that wrong. Matthew, Matthew. I've already done this message twice today. Shame and me. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. It's going to be the left in your Bible. Matthew chapter 24. Here's the description, ready for the second coming. Completely different than the description of the rapture. Here we go. Matthew chapter 24, here's the second coming described in the Bible. Verse 27. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even to the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. So you get the moment. It's saying, look, look, when Jesus comes back, when the coming happens, everybody's, I mean, it's, it's going to be so obvious, it's going to be like a huge lightning strike that people for miles away can see exactly what's happening. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds in the sky with power and great glory. So get the difference. Scripture, when it describes rapture, says this is like a thief in the night. I mean, no one's even going to get it. They're not going to know. When Jesus comes in the second coming, at the end of the tribulation, when the battle of Armageddon, everybody's going to see him coming. Matter of fact, it says, and the nations will mourn to see him showing up. Completely different descriptions. What if you heard two people describing a parade. And what if the first guy said to you, hey, you know what, I mean, it was a great parade. I mean, thousands of clowns, and they were handing out candy to all the kids. I mean, it was just so neat. And the second guy says, well, I didn't see any clowns. Thousands of, I didn't see any clowns. And I didn't see, no candy. 
first guy says, no, 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 no. And then, and then, and then, and then there was like this big blimp uh, that was up. It was like a giant panda bear. The second guy goes, dude, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. I, there weren't any clowns. Matter of fact, all I saw was a couple fire trucks and some police cars going by. And the only, the only blimp I saw was, was like this huge thing of Southwest Airlines. How long do they have to describe to you realize they saw two different parades? And when you get to Scripture and you begin to hear Scripture describing the rapture, the catching up of the church, the thief in the night experience, and then you hear Scripture talking about the second coming and everybody seeing it, you begin to realize two different events in history. One happening at the beginning of the tribulation and the catching away of the church. One happening at the end of the tribulation and the closing off of time. Two different events. Okay, third thing, third reason, just for, again, for anybody in the room who's struggling just a little bit. Here's the last one. Go in your Bibles with me to 2 Thessalonians. It's going to be back to the right. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Now here's what this passage is going to describe for you and me. The Bible's going to say that in order for the tribulation to happen, the Holy Spirit is going to leave this world. Okay? Here we go. It's 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 3. Here's what it says. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed for destruction. He will oppose and exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming that he is God. Now, this is a description of Antichrist. And what happens during the tribulation, which we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks, this man sets himself up, and at the beginning, he looks like a messiah. He looks amazing. He's going to bring about world peace. He's going to bring out an economic revival in the world. Uh, he's going to take famine and basically stamp it out. And people are going to say, isn't this Jesus come to the world? I mean, he looks like a Messiah. And Scripture says, no, 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 no. That's not Christ. That's Antichrist. This man stands for everything that's anti-God. And pretty soon he reveals himself. Pretty soon he brings the mark of the beast. Pretty soon he actually inflicts world war on everybody. It becomes deeply ugly. This is Antichrist. Okay? And here's what it says. Verse 5. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things. And now you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. So look, here's the deal. It says, look, at any given moment, Satan would love to just plunge this world into chaos, to just say, look, let's just call it done. Let's wipe humanity out. Satan, if he had his way, would have end of days tomorrow. And yet God is saying, no, 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 no. There are still people who need Jesus. There are still people out there who would make decisions. We're going to wait a little longer we're going to hold off on this thing, okay? Back to verse 8. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things, and now you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. Verse 7, for the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who is now holds it back will continue to do so until, next word, 
he, he is taken out of the way till he, the one that is holding back. So let me ask you a question. Who's holding back? Who's, who's saying, no, 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 just a little longer. We can't do this yet. There's still people who don't know. There's still decisions for Christ to be made until he is taken out of the way. And almost every theologian you talk to will agree that he is referring to the Holy Spirit. That right now in this world, the Holy Spirit is holding back Satan from doing what he wants to do to destroy. So here's the deal. The end can't come as long as the Holy Spirit is here. Let me say that again. The end can't come as long as the Holy Spirit is here. Here's the part that's interesting. Did you know that every believer has the Holy Spirit living in them? And God promised that he would never, 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 ever, never, take the Holy Spirit away from us. So if the Holy Spirit's not here during the tribulation, guess who else isn't here during the tribulation? Us. Because the Holy Spirit lives in us. And God will never take him away. Okay? Yeah, so that's good. Matter of fact, it's one of the reasons the Bible says encourage one another with these words because you and I aren't here for the tribulation. Now, here's the deal. Someone in the room is probably going, okay, well, that, that's great, Lynn, but who cares? I mean, it, it, the truth, if you're telling me, Lynn, that, that we don't have to go through any of that and the rapture is going to happen first, we all get a free ticket out, then party. I mean, why not just, you know, hey, just do whatever you're going to do because we don't, you know, we, we, get, we all get a pass. We all get out of this thing. Grab your Bibles one more time, okay? Go with me to 1 John. And 1 John is going to be right at the back of your Bible. It's right up close to the book of Revelation. It's a tiny, tiny little book. So go slow when you get back there. 1 John chapter 3. Here's what the Bible says about you and me who live on this side of the rapture. 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 2. Here's what it says. Dear friends... Now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, talking about Jesus, we shall be like him, for we will see him as he is. I get ready for this. And everyone who has this hope in him, what hope? The idea that Jesus could come back at any moment, that the rapture could happen tomorrow, or the rapture could happen a thousand years. We just don't know. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. See what I'm saying? Look, look, look. If you and I really, really, really believe that Jesus could come back any second, then we would live every second as if it could be the last second. And guys, guys, there are certain things you don't want to be doing when Jesus comes back. See, look, if you're, if you're a couple in here and things are getting a little hot and heavy, can I just say there's some things you don't want to be doing when Jesus comes back? Now, if you're married, it's okay. 
If, if, you're a, if, you're a, if you're a businessman and you're in the middle of a deal and it's a little bit shady and there are some things you don't want to be doing when Jesus comes back. See, if, if you're right now in the middle of a just busted up relationship and you've got all sorts of bitterness toward a past friend or maybe a relative and, 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 and you're just spiteful, there are some things you don't want to be doing when Jesus comes back. If, if you've got a mouth on you and every second word out of your mouth is just dark and vile, if you've got a habit that you've been saying, no, 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 you know, maybe eventually I'll deal with that or maybe eventually I'll get to that. Can I? There's some things you don't want to be doing. When Jesus comes back. And scripture says, look, 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 if you really believed that Jesus could potentially come at any moment, if you really believe that, you would live differently. I'm 12 years old, and uh, my friend, uh, his family was going on vacation. They lived across the street from me, and they came over, and they said, hey, Lynn, we're going to be gone uh, for two weeks. We're coming back on the 14th. We're hoping that you would watch our dog, uh, Dee Dee, for us, uh, feed the dog, and uh, clean up after the dog, and uh, do that for, and then we'll pay you. I said, well, sure, I'd be, I'd be happy to do that. Now, here's what you need to know. The dog was named Dee Dee because it was actually initials for dumb dog. And this dog, this dog pooped like no dog you've ever seen in your life. So my job was to go over there every single day, feed the dog, clean up the poop. Now, their backyard wasn't even a backyard because it was a little townhome, and all they had was this tiny little postage stamp of a back patio. So the dog is pooping on the patio. So I go the first day, I feed the dog, I go out there, I'm trying to clean I'm taking, scrape, and there's still stuff there, and I'm having to hose down the patio. I'm going, this is crazy. I'm going to have to scrape up and hose down the patio every day. And then I come up with a plan. What if I only do it once? So, for the next 14 days, I allow the poop to accumulate. Now, this was interesting because I'd come over to feed the dog every day, and I'm It is, if this dog knew how to do one thing, well, it may have been a dumb dog, but one thing he was brilliant at, pooping. So this patio is just covered in poop. But I've got a plan. I'm going to clean it all up, and I'm going to hose off the patio on the 13th because my friends are coming back on the 14th. Anybody want to guess what day they came back on? The 12th. And as they came home to see their dog after their two-week vacation, and they began to walk through their patio. Anybody want to guess how much I got paid for that job? <laughs> see, if you and I really, really believe that Jesus could come back any time, we'd shovel up the poop, wouldn't we? See, we'd... We live our lives a little different. Matter of fact, that's why Scripture says everybody who really, really, really believes that Jesus could come back at any moment lives a little different. So here's what I want to do just for a second, just for a second. 
Just a little exercise together. So I, I, think, I think in front of you, in the, in the chairs, there's like little holders and there's scrap paper there. Grab it out, grab out a piece of paper, grab yourself a pencil, and here's what I just want you to do, just for a second, okay? Just for a second. Write down, if, if you knew Jesus was coming back soon, matter of fact, let's do this, let's do this. What if you knew that Jesus was coming back 60 days from today? 60 days from today, Jesus is coming back. We got a money-back guarantee. And, and, and what would you do different for the next 60 days? Would your language change? Would you spend more time with the kids? Would you tell your friends who don't know Jesus about you? What would you do different? Would you attend church every Sunday for the next 60 days? Would you, find, would you serve? Would you give? What would you do different for the next 60 if, if If you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, 60 days from now, Jesus is coming back. Just three things. What, just give me three things that you would do different. Just write them down. Go ahead, do that. Honestly, do it. Some of you look at me like, go ahead, just, what would you do different? Just take a moment. Would you call up that friend who you haven't talked to because your relationship's broken? Would you ask someone to forgive you for something? Would you spend more time with your kids? There was a guy first hour who said I'd quit my job. <laughs> What'd you do? What would you do different for the next 60 days if you knew Jesus was coming back? Okay, so what, what, what did we come up with? Come on, say it out loud, real loud. What'd you come up with? What'd you do different for, if you knew? Huh? Stop worrying. There you go. I mean, hey, <laughs> everything I'm worried about is probably not going to be here in 60 days. Yeah. What else? I'd bring my friends to the Lord. See, all these people that I knew I should tell about, I'd start telling about Jesus. i got 60 days to tell them about Jesus. What else? Huh? Yell it louder. Follow dreams. All those things I keep putting off, all those things I haven't done. What else would you do? Yeah. Forgive. Yeah, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, those people I've been so busy being mad at, doesn't seem so important anymore, does it? If I knew I was only here for 60 days. What else? Give everything away I don't need anymore. You know what? That, you know, it's amazing how important stuff is, when, but if you knew 60 days from now, it was all gone anyways. There was a guy first hour said, I'd start obeying the law if I knew Okay, that's probably a good idea, <laughs> whether Jesus will come back or not. <laughs> Anything else? Visit the hospital. Let me ask you a question. Should there be a list? I mean, didn't, didn't Scripture just say that if you and I really, really, really believed that Jesus could come back any time, that you and I ought to already be living our lives as if Jesus could come back any time? And that those decisions that we would make if we knew it was 60, we should already be making those decisions. And we should already be living like that. And guys, here, here's, here's the thing, and here's what I want you to get at the moment. I don't think God intended this for it to feel like, uh-oh, mom and dad are coming home, I better vacuum the floor. 
I, I, don't, think, I don't think he intended this to be a fear-based thing. I, I think he intended it more to be, I love my Lord enough that I want to be doing the right thing for him. I, I want to honor him with my life. And I just want him to come back and find me being faithful. Because my Jesus could come back anytime. If you really, really believe that, how would you live? Let's bow our heads. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that, that those who know you as personal Savior don't go through the spanking, don't see the tribulation. Thank you that, that you promised us that we would be spared. And God, I, I, I just ask that you would help us to live, to live lives that look like we believe, that you could come at any moment, that, that we don't necessarily have a promise that we live till 80, that, that we could be living in the labor pains. We, we could be witnessing the very headlines of the Bible unfolding in our lifetime. And if we really, really believe that, then we would live like we believed it. And God, I just ask that, that if a few moments ago anything came to our minds, if we had moments that we said, boy, I, I would fix that relationship if I really believed. I, I, I would attend better or I would give more or I would love more profoundly or I would clean up that habit in my life. That God, we would just leave this place instead saying, because I don't know, because my Lord could come at any time, I just want him to come and find me being faithful. And I want him to come and be proud of how I'm living. Because if we really, really believed, we would purify our lives. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.